Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experiences. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. Hi, Sarah. Hi again, Megan. Don't say again, just because because we had to refresh for the fifth time. The recording was reliably unreliable. Doesn't mean we have to show our hand. I think we do. I believe in honesty Mm. and I want them to know. I meant believe in radical transparency about our technical uh, challenges. Well, uh, so the holidays are over. Are you back in the saddle? Do you like this time of year? No, no, I don't. I don't like it at all. I like the holiday time. I like Christmas. I like the lights, and this part of like really dull, gray, ugly winter. No holidays mm. close by. It's just it's. There's nothing to look forward to for a long time. What about Valentine's Day? Eh, don't you eh. love Valentine's Day? What is Valentine's <laughs> Day? Like I don't. Get, I don't get it. It's gotta I be, never is it the worst holiday. Yeah. What? I mean, even when you're in a couple, I just don't like what it's date night, but it's harder to get reservations. Yeah, it's bad. It's so my birthday is the day before Valentine's Day, which is always the worst. Oh, no. Talk about. And for somebody I'm dating, boy, Mm. double jeopardy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's no good. So you don't normally do Valentine's Day stuff? No. And I always get shortchanged. Because somebody just gives me a birthday present and then they're like, eh, it's good for the next day. And yeah. I always got heart-shaped cakes and stuff when I was oh, a kid. Oh, no. Yeah. Heart-shaped birthday cakes. So here's the thing. Like, oops, sorry. Um, <laughs> Slick. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> um, it's my, it's my like workout like alarm like time to work out oh really it's not telling you how many hours you've been on the screen no it's telling me it's like it's like a it's like a little thing that tells me it's it's notifies me to do remind me to do certain things throughout the day and i i just ignore it so my god like what kind of things (laughs) well right now i'm supposed to go on on a stationary bike that's what i'm supposed to do. oh you can do that while we're doing this oh sure okay next time you know what i bet those like I bet those podcasters that do a podcast every day for seven hours use their stationary bikes for part of it. I bet they could oh, yeah. if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, okay. So, yeah, it's a kind of grim time of year. But there also is something about the hol- – I love the holidays as we've discussed. But there's something that feels a little like like you've eaten too much sugar or something. Like you just feel a little icky. And so it's nice to kind little of fat. Little, I feel a little fat. A little fat. Sure. Like, it's nice to like sort of cleanse. It's kind of mm-hmm. nice to feel a little bit like um, you're going to be sort of ascetic uh, or austere in January, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I get it. I get, I get what you mean. But um, yeah, I'm not excited about it. It's not a time of the year I'm excited about. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of excitement, we had a hangout. 
for our founding members the other day. Yeah, we did. It was um, it was really good. It was the Friday before New, so it was like the day before New yes, Year's Eve. It was New Year's Eve Eve. Yeah, and so uh, some of it was like a surprise hangout. We hadn't planned it um, too far in advance. We announced it the week of, and people joined, and it was really nice. Um, yeah. As usual, it was a yeah, it was a good group. Good think, group. Yeah, people are not accustomed to seeing our faces, and and you and I are not accustomed to seeing one another's faces. No, so it was a little jarring. I didn't it realize. I didn't. I Sarah, I I didn't realize you were a POC. I mean, I know you say you are, but I don't sound like I. Am, I thought no. it was like just something you said you were saying. Yeah, didn't realize. You yeah. actually were like the real, the real, yeah. the real enchilada. Can I say that? No. <laughs> the real. You have to say samosa be, or something. The you real have to, it samosa. Has to be, it has to be Sarah's the appropriate. Re- Sarah's the real garlic naan. <laughs> um, now we had some people were a little uh, surprised by the lightness of your skin. Yeah, that was odd because I because we were what was it the episode before that I discussed um, the shadism I guess I had experienced yeah. um, in Pakistan and then in the Pakistani community here as well growing up and I talked a little bit about you know how I how I felt about my skin growing up and how it made me feel like. It just, it didn't make me feel that way. It it was literally true that according to that beauty standard to have skin as dark as mine is to be, you know, not that attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were very struck by this and they mentioned that people in the seeing hangout. me. Yeah. yeah seeing they, me. I don't see that. They thought skin. you were, they thought you were going to be like some, some like extremely dark, like you know, black as night kind of person, like a, like a striking, beautiful African model or something. That would be great. I would yes. have to be. <laughs> yeah, it's still possible. Okay. How? How do, how do uh, I do that? Well, do I, I mean, make look, trans, transracialism is going to be the, the next frontier. You know, I um, think it is actually like, I think it has to be because it, the, it, it's we well it makes think, more sense i mean it makes more sense yeah for sure it yeah. makes more sense uh and it, there's no there's no logic behind the original thing so why would why would we you know stop before getting to this stop right um uh yeah i know i apparently people are um taking this trans age discussion like semi-seriously in some yeah. corners yeah. you can identify as a different age so anyway, uh, there were a lot of people on the on in the hangout uh, surprised at how actually not dark you are, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I hope they I hope they continue to give us money. I hope that was not a deterrent because they're like this chick is Expecting basically white, so she doesn't need our money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I'm assuming that's the only reason they give us money. I did, to be fair, had like a lot. I, there was a there was a light like you got a, on my you had face. a big light on you yeah yeah i did like it wasn't like a professional light or anything it was just a lamp <laughs> <laughs> because you have such a professional setup are you going to use I, that for in for our new incarnation um well we haven't i don't think we've announced it yet, i think we've, right? hint, like we've to, hinted we've, at we've it hinted maybe. at it to, yeah. well 
you guys have uh, some uh, ex- well, not- <laughs> <laughs> good stuff ahead. Uh, yeah, we're going to be going to video soon. Hooray. Yep. We're doing this, it. This is what one must do. And um, I have pretty mixed feelings about this, I have to say. Me too. It would not be my choice, to be honest. I really like the audio medium. Mm-hmm. I also, I like, I f- it feels more intimate, strangely. Totally. Like oh, it, totally. Like even this conversation right now, it feels like I'm talking to, you know, a friend on the phone. Yes. Which feels different feels better feels more intimate um and then with video you're just like then then you have the camera and i'm gonna have to turn it off i don't want to look at myself oh yeah but then uh if you go out of the frame or something i guess i'll, I'll just tell you you'll tell me okay so if, <laughs> like if i suddenly had, like, have something <laughs> in your teeth if you've got something in your teeth i'm just gonna like make that yeah like, with my tongue like eh, eh, yeah i'm gonna signal you to you the- Okay, that's the teeth signal, and then yeah, if there's if there's like something in my nose, you can like <laughs> pretend to pick your nose. <laughs> I think, we, yeah, I don't know how anybody does this. I just this whole creator economy is so maddening and it's so overwhelming. Yeah, it's too we'll much. Cry sometimes. It's too much. A lot, but we got to do it. I want to cry a lot. Yeah, so we have to do it, and apparently the reason for this is because if you're not on YouTube, if you're not uploading your stuff to YouTube, like, you're losing a huge chunk of the audience. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's true, because everyone under 25 that I know, they're just almost exclusively consuming content on YouTube, YouTube Shorts, or TikTok, and that's it. And they're not, you know, Twitter is for olds. Oh my god! Yeah, traditional podcasts there for olds, and yeah. So we need to find uh, if we want to connect with that audience, which I do. No, I think uh, I young women. But what? Why? What do you mean? We're yeah, helping them. It's fine. I don't we're care. giving. We're we're being um, the role models that they, that that we wish we had. Nah, they can all go fuck off. <laughs> uh, uh, so traditional podcasts. By that you mean just audio. That's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So okay. everybody, like, they, they watch, um, like, my siblings, uh, they're all younger, I'm the oldest, they watch, like, Joe Rogan's podcast on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they don't, okay, so, but, and they're just sitting there, like, they're not listening to things while they're doing activities. Well, they're doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just that their laptops are always on you know what i mean like or their phones are always but what if they're like driving or walking down the street yeah i mean i don't know i mean i guess at that point you might want to switch to podcasts but i think for the most part youtube works really well for them and it's like an intuitive format and they like the video they like it and they're used Mm -hmm. to it and they want to see they want to see the faces see i wonder if they are also maybe not um as sensitized to like people looking a certain way or looking professional. I'm just thinking about this now. I haven't never really sorted through this, but like, I think maybe for us and especially me, the idea of being on camera is equated with being on TV or like being professional. Like you have to have your makeup, you have to be in hair and makeup, you have to be camera ready. Like camera ready used to mean a very particular thing. Mm Mm-hmm which meant that you looked professional. You were like ready for prime time as they used Mm -hmm. to say. And so Mm -hmm. maybe now like, 
is it are they do you think that people are less judgmental about appearances i think they're just differently judgmental mm-hmm. you know like they're not judgmental over you know like there are some things that are kind of an amateur look but that's it's it's nice like they like seeing it you know they like seeing a backdrop that's not <laughs> super professional looking you know you kind of see somebody's room a little oh, bit really? and and they like that yeah a lot of streamers like rich people do this on their bedroom in their bedroom in their bedroom so yeah. really so you're saying i should not i should cancel my order for like the standing plant and the piece of abstract art is that what you're gonna do because um, i don't know what i'm gonna do chair. i don't know i don't know what I, i'm gonna have a bookshelf and it's gonna have lex friedsman's oh it's gonna it's gonna fall down in the middle it's just gonna come crashing down it's the, gonna it, the weight of its own gravitas yeah exactly exactly um, and, um okay yeah it's hard too because right the room that my office inevitably is the ugliest room of the house because mm-hmm. it's just crammed with stuff yeah um but that's and that's where i record but yeah it's not so not very visually appealing yeah and people do like interesting things with the lighting and i'm gonna i'm gonna try it you know what i'm gonna try it and i'm gonna (laughs) and people will be mean to me if it's terrible but we'll be adventurous they're not gonna be mean to you they love you as long as you keep looking light-skinned all right all that matters i can do that the people are gonna be on your side great yeah 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 um all right well what else do we have to cover um hmm did you make your uh reading list for the weekend yeah you got 30 books you're gonna get through by monday yeah 20 28 mm-hmm. for this weekend do you do you read a lot are you a no, big i haven't read in years I used to look, uh, I think of myself as a reader and I have a uh-huh. lot of books and when I want a book, when I want to read a book, I will buy a book like hardcover. Mm-hmm. I will order a book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, you don't Kindle books? No. And it actually, it doesn't even occur to me. Like if I, the only time I ever Kindle a book is if I am interviewing somebody and I need like to read their book like immediately. immediately. Yeah. Uh, no, I like real books. I like having them around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think of myself as a, as a reader, but yeah, reading books, I can't remember the last time I read a book, like for pure pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Actually. I usually read for, to sate some kind of curiosity, but it's almost always related to something I'm writing mm-hmm. or thinking about, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's not just like a pure curiosity that only I have, I buy those books mm-hmm. for reading later. You know, like if mm-hmm. I find something that I'm curious about, I'll be like, oh, this is great. I'll just buy it and I'll definitely have time to read it eventually. And now my house is just filled with books and my husband's threatening to throw them out. No. I know. Isn't it horrible? No, your children need to grow up in a house full of books. Yeah, I think they do. But he, but well, we're just out of, it's that problem of like, okay, you don't have any more bookshelves. Like, what are you going to do? Well, Get another bookshelf and, an, and there's yes. no more walls. Oh, well, you know, some people have, walls. yeah, some people have the one book in one book out rule. So they're not allowed to, uh, oh, that's horrible. Book unless no they way. I can do it. One. I could well, never part. I could really? Just, I could not do it. No, but that's what's nice to about living in a building, in an apartment building, because 
most many buildings have a little library like down in the laundry room. So when I'm in New York, I can always just bring my books, my old books down to the laundry room. And I know that somebody will take them, hopefully. Oh, uh, and I can pick one up myself. So no, I want to hoard them. I want to live like I want them surrounding me. Yeah. Um, but why do you think? Okay, so Lex Lex Fridman's list. If, in case anybody does not follow this, if you're if you are so out of it that you miss the story of Lex Fridman's 2023 reading list. I mean, God, that's like not knowing that 9/11 happened. Okay. I mean, like, you would know what's you wrong would with think. People. By by the way, Twitter reacted. By the way, it just became the thing everyone was talking about. I thought it, I thought it would blow over in a day, two days, and like a week passes. People are still talking about it. This is it. the best thing that ever happened to him. Nobody knew who he was before. I mean, a lot of people did, but he's not exactly a household name. Lex no. Fridman. No, but everybody, uh, everyone was talking about it. And um, so who is Lex? I have never seen, I've never watched or seen or whatever, whatever content he creates. I have not considered. Oh, you haven't? No. Uh, He, uh, he does, he's, he's a podcaster and he, he does do it on video. He has the camera on and he's, he's in kind of in the IDW uh, sort of dissident, intellectual dissident space. Uh, He's a research scientist. He's affiliated with MIT. He's kind of like. He does a lot of research about AI stuff. Um, he has, I think he's in a, he's interviewed Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, he, he had Sam Harris on for, I think five hours. And I, I believe he has had uh, episodes that go on as long as seven hours. Oh my God. And uh, he's very, I think he's pretty young and he's like extremely he's he's kind of he's definitely on the spectrum and he is extremely regimented and he likes to talk about sort of um optimizing his brain power and like he has a he's talked about his routine that he eats you know certain meals and you know he he basically the way he's described his life is sort of devoid of pleasure like he just he eats like a certain number of protein grams mm. and like it's very it's very regimented and um, just. <laughs> so how is he, how did he come on the scene? Like, I don't he know. Just, all of a sudden he was, every people were talking about him. Like, who's this guy? Yeah, that I don't know. I'm sure people listening I, know it, and they're yelling at There must the, be, there was, I think there's a right Joe now. Rogan association. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. People are probably really, uh, really frustrated. Not as frustrated as they are. They were last time when I, uh, forgot to say that Tim Robbins is best known for the Shawshank Redemption. So just quick, really quickly, I'm sorry that I said, I'm sorry that I associated Tim Robbins with, uh, Bull Durham more than anything else. That was a secondary role. Shawshank Redemption. I'm sorry about that oversight. Mm. Please forgive Um, me. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't know where Lex Friedman is from where he yeah. showed up. But anyway, the point is that he, well, also I've never seen this, like everybody publishing their reading list. That's new. Usually people publish their stupid resolutions. Yeah. I think he just, I mean, he just, this is his brand, right? To be this intellectual leader kind of. So he's being open about what he's reading. And he thought, I think his, his uh, listeners might be interested in it. And so he tweeted out part of his reading list and the rest of it is on his website. Okay. 
And basically he has a different uh, book every week. <laughs> okay. Um, and he does, he, we are so, we are such sloths. Okay. What is the, do you have the list in front of you or the partial yes. list? Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Like, it's just so like January 2nd, 1984. That's where we're, we're starting off strong. The book 1984. 1984. Is what he's going to read the week of January 2nd? Like this week. He's reading it right now. Okay. That's pretty short. That's not a really long book. It's a short one, yeah. But it's like a heavy start to the day. I mean, it's already like a sad... I mean, it's already ugly winter. It's so... 1984, like, if you've read it in the last five years, it's impossible. I, I have My copy is, like, in- entirely filled with highlighted passages. Because you're like, oh, my God, that's today. That's now. Oh, my gosh. Prescient. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, like, every <laughs> single... The whole thing is just yellow. <laughs> Which was not my experience of reading it, like in actual 1984 at all um yeah okay so that was his and we should say lex friedman he's he's very naive like he has this kind of boyish um sort of quality like everything is this is a sense of wonderment about him and like he's just learning it's kind of the vibe of like um a, a guy in his like late teens or early 20s just kind of like discovering the world of ideas i like that vibe i think a lot of people like that vibe like yeah the, the opposite of pretentious it might also be a little put on maybe, but regardless, it's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah. He's not jaded. I mean, that is what people like about him. So yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so 1984. Then the we one? go right to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which okay. I feel like is a very, like, it's a jarring, like vibe shift. I wouldn't uh, be able to take it. Yeah. No? And um, then, and then Brave New World. Uh-huh. Mm. And okay. then Stranger, The Stranger. Okay. Also short. These are also short. pretty short. Well, Hitchhiker's Guide is not that short. That's true. But yeah. Okay. Um, and then Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which <laughs> is not that long. But I saw I the like movie. You, some you know what? I, you don't need to read that. <laughs> Meg Ryan yeah, isn't that awesome it, in it. Yeah. And yeah, there was a gladiator and, and got it. Tim Robbins was in it. Tim Robbins was in it. That was his breakout role. <laughs> okay. Um. Have you read Meditations? Yes. Have you meditated on Meditations? (laughs) Yes, I have. Okay, what's the next one? On the Road. Okay. Um, And then Foundation, The Art of War after that. Mm. Old Man and the Sea by Hemingway, which is, in my opinion, the worst Hemingway book. Right? Did, Um... Did you like it? Wait, why is that a novel? I thought that was a it's story. A, it's like a novella. It's a yeah. novella. It, it's yeah, not it's quite short. it's not quite a yeah. short story. It's so long given a what long happens, which is nothing. Story. <laughs> uh well maybe he's giving himself a break that week. Oh my god, I hate I hated it. All I remember about that is like waiting and waiting for something to happen and guess what? Nothing happens. Yeah, that's called literature, Sarah. <laughs> god, you're such a Philistine. Okay, what's next? Um, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. (laughs) I have never read that. Well, that you can definitely see the movie. Okay. Animal Farm. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. He likes Orwell here. He likes Orwell. He likes that. He likes the uh, dystopian thing. Mm -hmm. Man's Search for Meaning. I have not read this Mm -hmm. by Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Every podcaster loves that. Really? Why? What is it? It's just like something that it's just like a kind of very deep existential uh dive into one's mortality 
Yeah. So there's a theme here. I feel Mm -hmm. (laughs) sapiens, um, which I don't like. I have big problems. And I tweeted about this like jokingly and people got mad. Wait, who give us the thumbnail sapiens, the thumbnail of sapiens or what's the, what is it? it Who wrote it? What is it about? Why do you not Um, like it? Yuval Noah Harari. Everyone knows about sapiens. I don't, I mean, I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but it's, it's his grand theory about like mankind. He has a bunch of grand theories about why we have religion, why we have tribalism, why we have blah, blah, blah. Um, it's very, very long. It's what got him on the map as this big intellectual. He, I, I'm actually writing about this. So I'm trying not to reveal too much. Oh, about what I really hated okay. about it. Okay. Because it, I read about a third of the way. I did not finish it. I read about a third of the way and then I just stopped because I couldn't take another second. I got onto a chapter which I knew a lot about and it was clear that he was making these huge generalizations, like huge, huge, huge. Um, and they were, you know, at best kind of, kind of weak, you know, at just sort of a supposition that some people thought might be, might be the case. Other people disagreed and it was not, and then, and then he would use that to make this grand point um, about okay. the nature of like women's oppression or whatever. Right? This like, sounds great. This, this is like everything we love, is it? Oh my oh, god, no, I'm no, like, no, no. I'm loving this. Making no. big generalizations, why women are the way they are. Yeah, but not in a good way. I'm like down, really. He's, okay. he's like, he's saying right. he's being nice to women. Oh, which we don't like. That's so. Yeah, that's not interesting. Yeah. Okay. No, but it it was um. So I, I felt like there were a lot of, and at that point I kind of had this feeling of oh no, if in this chapter which I know a lot about, like this little section, I can see how many mistakes he's making and how many generalizations he shouldn't be. It's just not that warranted, and you know, um, it makes me feel very uncomfortable about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because okay. I don't know how often that's happening. Why did you start writing about it? Because it was on this list. Because I tweeted about it. Like some somebody somebody had this tweet about uh, they were at the airport and they saw this man open up a brand new book, like he like purchased it or something, and open it up and he read like six pages, sighed, and then walked over to the trash can, toss it in the trash. <laughs> That's such a good marketing little thing. I, I'm gonna if I ever write another book, I'm gonna try to get like a meme going somebody uh, buying yeah. my book yeah. at the and airport so, and throwing it in the trash so somebody was so i said me but with sapiens um and then people got oh i'm very see. upset about this oh um, you're you're pretty you're you've had a feisty week on twitter which which is every week every week that i'm that. actually actively on twitter it's a oh yeah see you took a little break and so you had a lot of pent up energy okay um okay All right. so um then the metamorphosis oh man <laughs> these are such bummer <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um the plague uh, yeah everybody was reading that is so 2020 man yeah everybody was reading that i don't and fight like, club is on here okay well, can we okay. skip now we're gonna we can skip yeah just okay yeah just give us a few highlights the brothers karamazov which everyone was talking about and they were really mad at him about it because the brothers karamazov why karamazov is that how you pronounce it Yep. What did you say? Karamazov? I don't know why I said. Never mind. Never mind. 
the brothers <laughs> no, Karen. <I'm> so <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend like I didn't say that. Um, and then by by, can you tell me how to pronounce his name? The, the author. Oh, Dostoevsky? The... Yes, there you go. Yep. No, I, I don't know how to do any That's of these That's a very thick book. Very so thick. he's going to get through that in a week? Did he, so every, that's, allot, that was a big critique. Did he allot two weeks for that? <clears throat> yeah, that was a, a a big critique of of everyone that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that people okay. were so mad about this. People were just like, this is the worst Maybe... book list ever. This is uh Yeah, so he got a lot of flack for the are we do are there any title more titles to note or should we now um I mean there's more on. it just keeps going. Okay. There's the giver. Is there anything the normal by Machiavelli? Oh um, god, the giver? What about the giving tree? What about <laughs> Charlotte's Web? Does he have anything kind of just He lighter? has more by by Mr. Uh, unpronounceable Russian um Notes from Underground, yes. The idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, He likes. Yeah. Well, he's Russian. I think. I think um, Lex is Russian. Yes, he is Russian. So he's maybe is he reading it in the original Russian? Uh, Doesn't really count. If if not, I don't know. I wonder too if he is listening to the audio versions and listening to it at like two or three x. You think? Well, you'd have to. There's no way that you could get through the brothers Karamazov in a week if you're recording podcasts and working at MIT and and you're actually reading it because I remember <laughs> when I was going through it it was like there would be some pages or conversations or whatever that were so interesting that you'd read them again and again and you think about it you know for for a long yeah. period of time I just don't understand how you can go through something like that no right so the critique was that well a there's no way he's actually going to get through this and B, that it was just kind of basic. Yeah. and I, Which C, I think is what? kind of a mean. Yeah. The basic thing is kind of a mean criticism. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a critique from scoffing journalists who are like, I read all of these in high school. Right. Right. You know. Which, yeah. okay, but a lot of people didn't. And also, <laughs> they're always getting on people for not having read stuff anyway. So it's yeah. pretty... Uh, so a popular podcaster encouraging yeah. other people to read mm-hmm. classics that most people agree are good uh, is a good thing. I don't understand the problem. Yeah, he'll probably, you know, all of these books will probably get on the bestseller list. He's Lex Friedman is going to be the new Oprah. All he has to do is utter a title, a book title, yeah. and it's an instant bestseller. He okay, should start, know- he should have a book club. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to read a book a week. You have to read these books a week. And then he should try to have, like, he can't have the authors on. They're all dead authors, right? Are any of them alive? I'm trying to see. I don't think so. I mean, if any of them are alive, there's some old dudes here. And are there any women? Um, Anne Frank. Okay. She's <laughs> and, dead. And wait, she's wait, dead, right? <laughs> Mary Shelley. She is dead. Um, okay. And Mary Shelley. Okay. Um, there's Charlotte Perkins Gilman. The oh, yellow the yellow wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I have not read this. I'm, yeah, read this one. that's interesting choice. Mm-hmm. That's so, about a woman going crazy. That's about oh, really? like a yeah. That's a very. Um, it's kind of almost a woke book. It's kind of like a. It's very like women, uh, sort of women women being hysterical woman mm. uh, kind of thing. W- women being misdiagnosed or oh, misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, 
Yeah, there's a few. There's a few women on here, but 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 not that many. And I think this was a problem for some people. Mm. And this was a big <laughs> critique. And I, I saw can't a imagine of... that the people who care about Lex Friedman are upset that there's no women on the list. I mean, no, yeah. of course they don't care. Um, but the people that want to drag him for this for some reason, I mean, I don't even know. Just let the guy read. It's just a it's just a book. A book yeah. list. That they're maybe like mid books, whatever. That's fine. People enjoy them. Yeah, um, but it was a it was a big deal. People people were mad about it. People yeah. were calling him racist because there's uh, <laughs> not enough black authors on there. Uh, or maybe none. Yeah, he should maybe have none. Included, yeah, uh, they're like, why uh, isn't Baldwin on here? And why uh, <laughs> like, Baldwin? If any if any black author was going to be on that list, it would be James Baldwin. Right. I mean, it's just he is the basic even... <laughs> the basic bitch of black authors. But and it's canon. also like it doesn't fit the vibe. You know what I mean? Like the. No. Well, yeah. I mean, these are certain, you know, these are concentrated. These are certain time. These are like late 19th century, early 20th century. And there are certain, I mean, they're, they're dystopian ish. Yeah. They're very sci-fi kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Even if they're not directly sci-fi, but there's a, there's a vibe to them, to all of them that kind of ties. I mean, not all of them, but ma- majority of them, it seems like are tied together by a kind of, um, not, maybe not theme quite, but just yeah, uh, it's um, yeah, t- a sensibility, sensibility, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I hope he reports back on them. Yeah, I hope he talks about them. That can yeah. that'll throw an extra two and a half hours on each episode. And that whole critique, though, really, really makes me mad that uh, you don't have a single black writer or single woman writer, and then people say, you know, I'm going to this year, I'm going to read nothing but women. And I pledge, you know, have you, you've heard of this. You've heard of these people. Oh, yes. Pledging only, about, oh, yes. look, I have seen people on Facebook who I are like friends of mine or other authors, colleagues who say things like, hey, guys, I'm only going to read women authors this year. So please give me recommendations. It's like, first of all, you don't need recommendations. You are flooded with book titles. Yeah. Don't pretend that that's why you posted that. Yeah. You posted that because you wanted everybody to know. I don't know why. Uh, no, it's if somebody read me because I was a woman author, I would be totally insulted. I mean, it if they insulting. bought the book, I would, that's as long as they p- paid money for it. That's but fine, it's, but. it isn't. It's so, it is an insulting thing to say. It's an insulting thing to, but I think that their, their feeling is that, they're in what elevating women somehow by purchasing the yeah, book because and paying attention so, to their you know, ideas. We've, we've bought male authors have just, you know, we've bought so many of them at the airport bookstore. No but is more. there, is there some kind of discrimination going on? Are women not allowed to purchase like publish books? No, there's is, mostly they, the, the vast majority of book buyers are women. Book buyers, the publishing industry yes. is all female. Yep. Um, so what is going on? So where is it? Dis- like, it's just a performance. Right. I mean, it is true that historically the great authors, the great works of literature have been written by men just because the book business has, I don't know if it's more women authors. It probably is. If you count things like romance novels and commercial, commercial novels, I mean, women read fiction at a much higher rate than men do. Men Mm -hmm. will read thrillers or like, Mm -hmm. you know, John Grisham lee child kind of books like airport fiction kind of thing um but the vast vast majority is women's fiction uh 
all that kind of stuff. But like that stuff has tended, even though it sells really well, to not get the big prizes, for instance. Um, That's there definitely has been an imbalance there. I mean, and do you think that that imbalance is due to like still, is this a discrimination thing or is it just differing interests? Um, well, I mean, now they're not going to be caught dead, like giving the Pulitzer Prize to a middle-aged white guy. Yeah. If they can possibly help it. Or, uh-huh. um, I, I, I mean, I do think that there has been a, dis- a, a, a discrimination against the kinds of, in fiction especially, the kinds of novels that women write. I mean, this, the, I, you know, and this has been a long discussion in the literary world, the sort of the domestic novel, the interior novel. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Francine Prose famously had a, a piece in Harper's back in uh, like the early 90s, back when people would get really excited about Harper's, it called The Scent of a Woman's Ink and she did this thing where she uh, would, you know, she, she, she was, it was an essay, but she included excerpts of great literature that you wouldn't, you know, just random excerpts from in the book that you wouldn't recognize right off and like ask people to, you know, determine, just guess whether it was written by a man or a woman. And it was hard to tell the difference. It's true. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, those big male authors, like in the contemporary sphere, Jonathan Franzen and Philip Roth and... Don DeLillo and Norman Mailer. I mean, it's been a, that the, the high highbrow literature has been a kind of a macho scene. That's true. But Uh like, again, the women, the people who make the most money writing books are women fiction writers, women commercial novelists. Hmm. I am Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. But even forget about the, the, the prizes or whatever. There's still, I mean, even as you said, there's, uh, your women are talking, covering a certain kind of subject matter in a specific way in their, in, in, in their works. Yeah. And it's okay to just be a sci-fi nerd and not interested in a novel about, you know, some woman. Domestic life. Yeah. yeah. Domestic life. It's okay. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. You're I don't not? read stuff like that. Yeah, I don't. I my book my book list would not look too different. Maybe I mean not now. Not now I don't really read this kind of stuff as much anymore, but maybe when I was, you know, in my late teens, I would probably have read the kind of books that Lex is talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was interested. Like I liked Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Um, Martian Chronicles. Like that's the kind of fiction that I wanted to be reading. Um, you know, and uh, that's written by (laughs) these old white men. That's the way it is. So does that make me a racist if I don't have a lot of women on that list? Because there's not that many female writers who write like, yeah, I think that's changing. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is changing, but it's still like, there is still this canon that's developed, you know, and then there's these classics that have been excellent for a very long time. Um, and, and, and you can't help but have a certain composition, especially if you have certain interests that women aren't particularly interested in. Yeah. I mean, the fact is that it was only, it's only the last several decades that women have been able to do a lot of stuff. That's just a fact. So you're going to have centuries of material, art and music 
and literature and scientific discoveries and basically anything that was done by men because women didn't have the opportunities to do it. Now, the question is, do you just like cancel all that stuff out because it was unfair because it was produced on an unlevel playing field? You shoehorn shoehorn people in and pretend as if you (laughs) care about them. Yes, it's like shoehorn mediocre people in. Or people who don't fit, you know, Baldwin in a list of, of, uh, Camus and and right. oh yeah Douglas Adams right. or whatever you know like right. is that how you say Camus? That's right. Yes. Oh, really? It's not oh, Camus. Wow. I just uh, yeah. I yeah. That's very um, good. Thank you. Uh, no, but this is like this is like U.S. history. You know, when you're reading when when you're learning U.S. history in 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 school, I remember vividly being so thinking something is strange about this. Where you're learning, you're just learning about these like old white guys, and then and they're doing all these this incredible stuff in the revolution, and then you know Betsy Ross, she oh. made the flag. Wait, and you think that like, Betsy Ross was like an affirmative action into the curriculum? I think she wasn't that important. Like was what? She? Like what? No, you think she was important? Wait. She was credited uh, with making the first flag, right? <laughs> like, that's what it was. I actually never thought about this. What about Dolly Madison? She's important for some reason. <laughs> she made cakes. <laughs> Isn't she a baker? Is that right? Yeah, Dolly, Dolly Madison. Madison we're we're going to look her up. Uh, I think she was um, she crazy. I think she was really one she, of those. I think she was the one that ended up at a mental hospital. Am so I remembering the, that right? The wife of James Madison. Uh-huh. That- uh huh. Uh. Or maybe it was Link. Well, and Lincoln's. Um, you know what? We should, I'm not even going to start. I'm not even going to talk because this is clearly wrong. But um, yeah, one of those ladies was like a well-known. She was probably just an artist, but she was considered uh, completely mentally ill. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, and Abraham Lincoln. We're jumping ahead somewhat there, but uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, Betsy Ross was probably just put in there for a little. A little color. Well, maybe, I mean, I'm sh- it, it it bears mentioning like there's so many actual important figures that we didn't learn anything about. You know, like I I don't know I don't know shit like, about Hamilton. You know, like, uh, Sarah. <laughs> what? Yeah, nobody ever did anything with him. But you know, what? there's so many like people who I feel like had a much more substantive uh, influence on on U.S. history. And the interesting thing about uh, the U.S. history classes that i took like from like middle school onwards is that we never there was too much to to cover and we never actually got to present day or anywhere near it like we would stop around like jackson and we often (laughs) wouldn't even cover him entirely so i don't know what happened oh my god that that happened all the time doesn't it like we would have we just couldn't get there the teacher would be like sorry we ran out of time yeah, well, then why were we talking about because they wanted to avoid it but i wonder if it's because the teacher (laughs) wanted to avoid it like no, I, sorry, we only got up to World War One. Oops, summertime now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I actually there's like a lot of like the 20th century U.S. history that I don't know anything about. Yeah, um, because we uh, never got to that point. Well, ever. that's why you have to read Hemingway. Okay. See, you can make up for this stuff by reading literature. Anyway, we I, we don't need well, necessarily. Uh, and then there's yeah. this, and then there's what you uh, you're you're. you're you remember like the, the inventors, the famous inventors, learning about 
the Elizabeth Holmes the steam engine. No, no, like the 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 classic. Oh, Bell and and the oh. the telephone, all Watson, that stuff. Yeah, can you hear yes. me? Yes. And then George Washington, like Carver, Carver, or whatever. <laughs> you know, and uh-huh. what peanut yeah. butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it just always felt to me that it was shoe. He was okay. He was. I'm sure he was brilliant. I'm sure he was a brilliant man. Amazing for his time, like impressive, <laughs> but it doesn't feel as you know significant in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I think, and yet I actually know a lot more about him than I do about almost anybody else. <laughs> I think shoehorned might be on Stanford's list of harmful words. Oh, really? Uh-uh. I just have a feeling that it should be, even if it's not. Just mm. think about that. Uh, yeah. A lot of bad history out there. All right. Well, do you have a reading list or did you even bother? Did I bother? I don't read anymore. Well, this year I read a lot of women, actually. Not deliberately. Because <laughs> I would never do that. I hope you cleanse your palate um, this year. From that. But yeah, because I've been really interested in like the gender stuff. So that's there's a lot of TERFs involved, of course. <laughs> um, there's I, I read a lot of uh, stuff about uh, the motherhood and women's bodies i read some of yeah. your stuff um, um i read the 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 collection of essays that you edited oh my oh that oh the one i edited yes that's not yes. my writing yeah yeah yes. that wasn't your writing mm-hmm. but i yeah um i did read some of your writing in in relation to not having kids um <laughs> i kind of but... <laughs> like it that you haven't read anything i've written i kind of love it actually I feel very, I feel like you can just. I'm slowly working my way through. I'm like, I'm slowly getting there. Why don't we, yeah, we're going to publish our reading list and it's just all (laughs) my books. Okay. There's only six books on this reading list and they're all by me. Yeah. Um, But do do you have like a specific, so for me, it was this year, this is the stuff I was obsessed with this year, (laughs) you know? And that's why I was reading all this stuff about psychology and mass movements and mass delusions and hormones and all these things because i was so into this the year before i think i was reading a lot more huh what was i doing last the year before oh i was on like a nazi bent (laughs) (laughs) a nazi reading list (laughs) yeah like it was um it was i think i was really interested in reading good critiques about liberalism and I've already, I'm fairly familiar with the critiques of liberalism from the left, like from, you know, socialist types. Um, and so I was looking into all these neo-reactionary writers and uh, like dangerous Nazi adjacent people and some of them mm. literally Nazis. Um, and so I, I did that for a little while. That was interesting. Um, like, you know, like Burnham. Uh, are you familiar? No. James Burnham. Yeah, you should read him. He's okay. uh he's not a Nazi, but he's he's like a true conservative. Okay. Um and then I think I was I looked into Nisbet a little bit mm. about some book about community, the quest for community or something. Um I read Carl Schmidt, who is a Nazi. Mm-hmm. So I think I read like wow. f- one of his books. Did you pay for it? Like, how do you ethically? Yeah, how do you, I got how on do you buy that book? I think he's dead. Right? I know, so but what you, like, what? Are, what I doubt are it the, goes to like the what Nazi are the fund. ethics? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, does the Hitler estate every time somebody purchases Mein Kampf? Yeah, a royalty. 
Yeah. And I read that um, that one neo-reactionary blogger that everybody talks about, or they don't really talk about. There's people that people don't read, but pretend like they have read and brag about reading. And then there's people that people secretly read mm. and will never admit to having read. Oh. And this guy is in that latter camp because I know people who I'm fairly confident have read him. They use terminology that he uses. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, oh. Like, oh, I know you. I know you read. I know you read. Wow. That's a tell. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Do you ever read fiction? Uh, no, not so much anymore. Yeah, it's hard. I get sometimes when I read a good novel, I get like so fired up and excited about it that it's almost like I it's it's too much. Like it's too much to take and it makes me want to write fiction or I can't. That's the other thing too is I can't really read before I go to sleep because it makes me too like excited. So you you do read fiction? Uh yeah when I when I can I haven't in a long time I mean I'm trying to think of the last novel I read I'm sure I hate yeah you know, that's the other thing whenever people ask you what you're reading you just I draw a blank there's just something about that um I've had certainly a lot of novelists on my podcast and I have read their novels before they came on uh and other things but it um, doesn't feel to you that like it's kind of a waste of time like it's kind of like it's too <laughs> you know what i mean like with it's, novels it's, it's just sort of like yeah there's so much information you have to that is worth consuming or you know yeah not consuming but That's like what, you know like their interests uh-huh. that you want to learn about so well yeah my grandmother uh who was actually went back to high school when she was i think 40 she had been very very poor and, and uneducated she said uh, she was known for saying, don't read fiction because it's all lies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all made up. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, I, I wish I could. I just like, I also don't watch a lot of TV and stuff, you know, and I would feel guilty if I yeah, did. Yeah, that's, you know what? Okay, because people are getting a lot of their novel, uh, their novel energy out with watching like streaming series. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I would. I would rather read like a good book than necessarily mm-hmm. watch a show. I mean, maybe it depends. Yeah. Um. But but I just don't do any of that anymore, you know. And yeah. I don't have time for it. So when I do have time to pick up and read, and I am not so sleepy, I can actually I can actually physically read. Um, it just feels yeah. wrong to not read nonfiction. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um. All right. Well, maybe we should start a book club for this show. Yeah, we'll, we'll start it. with my Nazi list. Yes, and then <laughs> no, look, people are going to get the wrong idea. It that was <laughs> Era, they they already have the wrong idea. <laughs> that, that was a break for me. Okay, and it was it was like I was yeah. curious was in the phase. opposition. <laughs> Sarah's Nazi phase, but now she's moved on. And yeah, she, now I've moved uh, now, now I moved on into, to she's into like Pol Pot now. She's into like, other kinds of dictators and despots. Um, okay. So uh, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, you were going to, you wrote an interesting piece about yeah. men, men being discriminated against, which is a favorite topic of ours. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I've been going through uh, Richard Reeves book and I'm done with it now uh, as of today. Uh, and I wanted to write kind of a book review in the way that I did uh, with the uh, the birth control uh, book by by Sarah Hill. 
Uh, and so I was going through this and, you know, I have some, I have some criticisms. I do. Uh, I liked it, but I have some criticisms. Um, and, uh, just in the first chapter, he talks about education and how men are falling behind Mm -hmm. in education. And it is really, really bad. I mean, the the whole, I mean, the whole book is extremely bad. The situation is bad. Not, 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 not the writing. Not the writing. No, the situation. Yeah. The (laughs) situation is very, is it's, it's 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 dark out like there boys really like not men. going to school like starting at a very young age they start falling behind right from the beginning yeah it, you know right from the beginning they start falling right. behind and it gets worse and worse and worse as they get older um until you're at a point where you're in college men are going to college at way lower rates yeah. than women and they're and even if they get in they don't graduate at the same rates either so yeah you know at every step of the way you see men just falling out of the system yeah and that's why um, his whole thing is red shirting he he believes that boys should be started a year late starting right year, start and school I, a year I, later than girls I, i'm sure that i think that would be helpful and i think he's right that that might be the key to keeping boys engaged at an early age but i think that there's something bigger going on as well uh that is not being sufficiently addressed by his book but it, it is a great book and he did a big service by by writing about men's issues for once yeah anyway so i was looking into this and looking at how bad it is for in college for men um in that they they're just they're not they're not fully prepared you know when at the time that they're applying the average boy is not it doesn't he doesn't have the uh you know the 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 resume what do they call it transcript um (laughs) do they have yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah, just the yeah. They, they, when they're applying, their scores are lower on a, almost every level, wow. um, and they're competing with girls who are doing very well. Um, yeah, you know, who are great students, who have great GPAs, um, and ha- are doing all the extracurriculars. Uh, so you have you're competing. Your boys are not able to compete, um, and they're not able to 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 keep up, and that continues on till professional. You know, to 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 not every field but um many professional degrees um women are either you know at parity or or doing better than than men um so that's it's just it's just very alarming so i was interested in whether or not um uh this reflected in the availabilities of scholarships mm-hmm. um because you would presume that given that this is a problem and it has been a problem for a while, evidently um, Reeves talks about this a little bit. He says that there is, or he claims that there is kind of a stealth affirmative action going on for young men um, mm. in universities because they are aware uh, of the gender imbalance. Oh and yeah. If there's not enough, it. right. If there's not enough boys, if a campus gets too feminine, then the women don't want to go there either. Like it's <laughs> like my college. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like it becomes, it becomes a, it's a, there's a different girls vibe have going. to turn into men <laughs> in right. order just to have somebody to, you know, go on a date with. Yes. All right. Okay. So, so because of that, they are sort of pulling in men you know, who are, who are getting in at, you know, when they're even not as, not as strong as women. Yeah. It's an affirmative action. It's an affirmative action for men. That's what he claims. Um, I haven't looked into like the data specifically that he's analyzing himself, but I buy it. I buy that it's, um, that it's happening. He says it's so in public schools, it's not really something they can do, but in private schools they can. Um, And so it is, 
it's it's happening there. So I was wondering, you know, and since the problem is so bad that there's this covert affirmative action going on, and even then there's no there's no no parity. Um, why isn't this reflected in the scholarship? So I went ahead and looked into like various scholarship aggregators. I pretended I was a young man, you know, oh. looking for scholarships online. Like, what would I do? And there's tons of stuff online. Interestingly, like back in my day, there weren't this many different websites available to you and search engines available to you for, for scholarships. Now there's like a whole new world out there. That's cool. Um, not, not a lot for men though. Um, you can be almost any kind of minority and you can find a good deal of scholarships geared specifically for you. If you're a man, that's just, it just doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't exist. There's just not, there's no one interested in like generally helping young men. There are plenty of people interested in helping young women, um, especially young women who are going into STEM. If you're yeah. a young woman, you want to go into STEM, you can find like boatloads yeah. of money. I mean, yeah. it's, absurd how many scholarships are stem like specifically earmarked for stem going females yeah. like uh, interested females and it's just it's outrageous you know like well, and how, it hasn't it, worked i mean it, it certainly has incre- i mean it has worked a little bit but i don't this has been going on for decades and you don't have significant numbers of women like going into changing f- right? physics not- and you know chemical engineering and that kind of thing right right um yeah, so I'm I'm actually not sure how much scholarships actually work in terms of like getting people mm. into college and like changing you know, changing opportunities necessarily, but that's a different conversation. My interest was just to see is society tackling this problem, and the answer is no, they're not tackling well, it. They don't. They won't even acknowledge it. They won't even acknowledge it. This is the like men are the only severely like underrepresented group. Well, not severely, but like certainly underrepresented group that is like you know in terms of um scholarships not only are they not being um given a leg up the opposite is happening they're the majority that is not you know that's overrepresented is being given um a leg up there are many sex specific yeah scholarships available for women um and then i looked into one scholarship ag- aggregator that had a list of men and i just i just wanted to see who's funding men you know who's mm. who's giving them money um <laughs> the manosphere who's interested in giving them money basically <laughs> and you know there were some that were just incorrectly tagged they weren't sex specific uh scholarships and there were others that were like religious you know lutherans that are looking at people who are looking into going to the priesthood or whatever right but so th- there was some of that and then and then there was just um a lot of fraternities a uh-huh. lot majority of them were fraternities and then there were a couple of like boy scouts and eagle scouts sponsored scholarships and um majority of those scholarships were not limited to brothers there were actually like uh, you could you anyone could apply technically speaking um which i thought was really interesting and there was at least one scholarship that i found that was funded by a fraternity but was specifically earmarked for for non-greek men um okay so i thought i thought that was really interesting that these are the only people who care about young men anymore <laughs> so the and if this is totally separate from the fraternity itself it's not like they're getting a scholarship and then they are probably going to be tapped for this fraternity or i think it's, it's just- different depending on it it, it, it 
every every uh, scholarship was a little bit different in what it entailed and who it was trying to cover. I think it was usually meant not for freshmen, but for like upperclassmen. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, it, I think, again, it differed. Um, and many of them were not like directly affiliated with the university. It was like an alumni of the of the or, uh, of the fraternity. There was an alumni that was very interested. Um, and in the name of that university, he would fund um, this scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was like pretty fascinating. You know, it's just it's these are the people that care about men and nobody else really does. Yeah. So in my piece, I talked about why I think that might be. Um, cause with the women's list, there are, of course there are, there are some sororities and sorority affiliated scholarships, but there were, you know, I mean, there was a larger group of just women's associations or women's networks right. or, you know, the, 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 the women's, you know, mechanical engineers of, you know, Maryland or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because those networks exist. Because they I mean, exist. Are there Precisely. even networks of men? Could you even have that at this exactly. point? Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't. Right. You couldn't There's do not it. like the young male entrepreneurs. No, because that's, that's sexist. Right. They would get they would get shot down. So you, you, you don't have those kinds of professional associations exclusive to men anymore. And 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 that's where like the money really is. It's like at that professional level like they can fund a lot of scholarships um and uh but those don't those groups don't exist so nobody's funding them and then even the general corporation or association so maybe like um they say the american heart association has like a women's maybe segment or whatever um it might give us give, give a scholarship but it might also just sponsor a women's only scholarship directly from the you know um, you know aha like general like body mm-hmm. you know and they won't do that for the guys yeah so do you think that it's time to just get rid of sex specific scholarships um you know it's not to me i don't think in the end it actually makes a huge difference i think it's more of a i think it's a sign of a problem rather than necessarily in itself a problem right it's an indicator yeah yeah i mean people are gonna say well what about all the athletes that get recruited we care so much more about men yeah but athletic athletic. scholarships are a totally different thing these are academic scholarships right i know know. but they're gonna say look at all the i mean this is what some you know curious person is gonna say well look at all the football players that are getting full rides and you don't see the men you know the women's basketball team is not getting the attention etc etc so i didn't include athletic scholarships in my like when i was looking through because you one you can't apply in through those scholarship aggregators for obvious reasons often you're it's a it's a totally different system to apply to an athletic thing but it's also a different kind of person that applies for athletic scholarships um it's, yeah, no, it's a totally different, entirely different conversation. It's entirely different conversation. And even to get to the point of playing professional athletics, like the poorest poor kids can't even play. <laughs> you know, they can't, they, right. they don't even get to that point because they can't afford the equipment. <laughs> right. You know, so there's, there's, I, anyway, I was just very interested in just seeing this kind of disparity and the fact that nobody seemed to care that it exists. Um, so it's interesting that there's there's this one way in which we know that men are at if if anyone's at a disadvantage, men are at a disadvantage today, and yet um, our you know altruistic bodies, you know our like charitable endeavors are not reflecting that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, and can you imagine if if they did? 
the flack that they would get. I mean, what if some charitable organization said, okay, we're going to set up a scholarship for men. They yeah. would be ridiculed. They would be. Yeah. Because, and it, it, because they're not allowed to see this as a problem. Um, the other thing I found, which I thought was very interesting is a couple of the aggregators had, they would have like a list, you know, top 30 scholarships for women or whatever. And they would have a little mini essay about women have made strides, blah, 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 but still, da, 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 you know, and like this ridiculous, <laughs> like terribly written, whatever. It's a website. Um, but it was interesting to me to see that several of them seemed to note that there was not really a need here for this kind of scholarship. Right. So they would say something like, even though, you know, 57% or whatever yeah. of, of graduates are women, women are still like, this is this like, goes back to the <laughs> ten most dangerous countries for women in the world list. Yeah, and yeah. That the U.S. gets on, even though it's not really true. It's not really we're true. Say it's, it is. <laughs> it's not really true, but it's still important because of the wage gap. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Because we still need to give women, you know, a head. A, a, <laughs> we need a, to overeducate them uh, so they can drop out of the workforce. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I thought it was just the whole thing was, it was just a, like a fun. <sighs> That's yeah. Very good research there. Very interesting. Yeah. So this is a Substack post. How, so this what's was a Substack post and I posted it and then like some, some man, some women got really mad at me for posting this. There was one person who went like ape shit on my comments calling me, um, this was, ball palming cunt oh i saw that that's awesome <laughs> are we allowed to say that that's yeah, well, i don't well. that's so i did a woman say that that's very unladylike evidently she's crazy like somebody else told me that she she she's like a little troll ball she goes around. palming cunt yeah um oh, i've never heard this before have I you ever never not not in reference to writing an article let's just put it that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but she wasn't the only one. There were a lot of people like on on Twitter. I mean, it wasn't just like it, it wasn't like a massive um, like hate brigade or anything. But I was surprised um, because to me, this seems very innocuous. I'm not saying I'm not yeah. making a huge case. I'm just talking about a disparity. I did mention in there that, you know, well, the culture hates men. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, there's a reason we're not. Uh, but they call not- no, Sarah. No, the world hates women. Please. Yeah. The world hates women. Yeah. It's, I mean, do you have friends or people that you know that really truly think that the world hates women and just cannot see the other side at all? I think there are people who take, you take a gender studies class and you get radicalized. But I also think that it's so a matter of experience. I, I feel like, you know, somebody, and I hate this, I don't mean this to sound like dismissive of people's experiences i mean but seriously this happens and i think we all do this and i'm guilty of it like you have an experience you maybe you have a very authoritarian father okay that is going to shape your entire like mindset of male female dynamics and the power that men exert Mm -hmm. and so like i can see that it would be easy to think that or like people have a bad relationship or a bad marriage or something. Why, and that they... that can also happen to men and does happen to men. It does. You know? but, oh but when my men, God. Yeah. When, when men have a terrible experience with their mothers or their, 
their ex-wives or whatever oh, and and, and then they, yep and then they get angry and become you well, know misogynist they, yeah. then they're i mean they're irredeemable and they're evil and how could they and they should know better and blah 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 why would we excuse that behavior when it's coming from women well right because women are only acting that way because they are victims yeah no i mean male um abusive women in relationships is a very under talked about thing and i'm actually gonna have a guest on soon to talk about um sort of mother toxic mothers with sons and that kind of thing i, mean, I looked into even that just a little bit just to get because i wanted this to be you know i was just exploring all the different different ways that given reeves book that men have it rough but there's um not that many shelters for men <laughs> Like domestic well, violence shelters. Those are men. called homeless shelters. But exactly. Yes. There's not there's no place for a man to go. There's tons of places for women yeah. to go. Um, but domestic violence rates are not that like that, like widely different. Um right. there are a good Although, percentage of men. There are good good percentage of men who are also victims of domestic violence. Okay, but are they gonna just wait, hang on, because people are gonna go crazy. But they're a man they're not going to be in imminent physical danger as much as a woman who's being Why? domestically how abused can, by her I mean, male partner. Well, this physical difference. So, so there's there's literally the case that there's a physical difference and there's literally the case she it, she has a harder time killing you. She can hurt you, she can abuse you, she can, you know, keep you in a toxic well and she can manipulate you around the kids she can keep you from seeing the kids she can poison there's parental alienation there's all kinds of things i've seen to- i i know more uh, like supremely abusive women like in my own personal yeah, psycho- life uh, yeah like um, extreme like well yes very very abusive women like i i physically and mentally and psycho- every everything, everything. Like they're everything they're abusing I- men yes they're like partners. adult men, their partners. Adult men, yeah. Like hitting them, or like, well, how does it work? Everything. I mean, when and they the go man into like and the guy and the just like takes stand, it, stands there. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I just, I, I, I know of these cases as well. I just, I think that that probably the reason that there are no, there are no battered men's shelters is because a man is not going to be like an imminent physical danger because his wife yeah, is beating him up as much. I, I think that's. That, but that's not the, the 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 purpose of those shelters is not imminent physical danger necessarily. It's just it's just danger and it's abuse. If you're being beaten, even if he's never going to kill you, but he's going to beat you every day, like you can still go to a shelter. Uh, and you can still take advantage of those resources if you're actually being beaten because that's considered bad enough. Yeah. Like they're it, battered women's shelters are not imminent death is about to kill you tomorrow. Shelters. Right. But I mean, I think that's what I know, but I, it feels to me that it's not, you know, it, it, and they've got kids. I mean, there's kids in those shelters. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's so complicated that it makes that the disparity of like almost no male shelters. I don't know if there's any, are there any in the United well, States? Well, uh battered men's shelters wait i'm gonna look that up right now hold on hang on battered men's shelter there's a there's a barbecue place called battered men's barbecue in louisiana okay oh here look there's a place in santa barbara a meaningful goal housing shelter what is a domestic violence against men called intimate partner violence here's a place um 
Oh, this is a bunch of this is a woman's shelter. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Empowers pregnant and parenting women in need to reclaim their okay, sorry. Nope, not that's not what that is. A meaningful goal housing shelter. Uh nope, not for battered men. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know what? If this podcast doesn't work out, maybe we could open a battered men's shelter. The thing is no one's gonna fund it. No one is interested in what about our subs? No one is interested in well, maybe they'll do it. But the the so the reason I'm not citing statistics of how many you know men are battered necessarily or women are battered. There's a lot of statistics out there. There's there's a lot of difficulty in getting accurate statistics. The advocacy organizations you just have to sort of take what they're saying with a grain of salt on either side of the sex spectrum um, because it's just obviously they have a reason to think to say that you know tons of men are being beaten tons of women are being whatever um so i would take that with it with with a grain of salt um but it's so it's hard to know exactly but from my from what i know about the situation it is not like five percent men and 95 percent women are domestic you know like out, out of the people who are um domestically abused like that it's not that it's not that extreme of a ratio um it might even be it might be closer to to something more even than than we'd like to we'd like wow. to imagine. Well, you mean physical abuse? I mean, I, no doubt psychological abuse. I think women do more of it than men do. Sure. Yeah. But um, in terms of physical abuse, I don't know. I can I can just see the comments right now. Uh, so there's the, like so I'm just going wait. on a random website. Okay, thehotline.org. Nearly three in ten women, twenty nine percent, and one in ten men in the U.S. have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by a partner, and reported it having yeah. a related impact on their functioning. Um, fifteen percent of women, like fourteen point eight percent of women, and four percent of men have been injured as a result of intimate partner violence that included rape, physical violence, and or stalking. Um. One in four women and one in seven men have been a victim of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Um, Those might be so they're all different. Gay, like there might be same sex relationships. There might be same sex, but th- th- even if it is, <laughs> where do gay men go? <laughs> well, lesbians have a very high level of domestic violence, I believe. But they can go to shelters, or did at one time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Bad news the point all is, is like there's no you know there are female shelters there's yeah no nowhere for a man to go if he's i mean and it doesn't even it, it there's just there needs to be a couple right like in 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 the country there should be I some think, you know andrew tate needs to get on this andrew tate there's going to be the andrew tate uh college scholarship college fund college he's, fund he's, he's and domestic and also a men's shelter shelter andrew tate He's going to be like the Mark Cuban of like, he's going to be enterprising and get a bunch of things going for people. Okay. Well, you're doing the Lord's work, Sarah. Uh, and uh, you published. Yeah. I just hit publish on a Substack piece right before we started recording. So I am terrified to sign off <laughs> terrified to end this conversation and see what people are saying yeah i um i noticed something uh we talk a lot of obviously about gender and we know that h- how fraught that topic is so john mcwhorter and glenn lowry who are as people may know are sort of my my north stars when it comes to like intellectual discussion and the whole 
the whole uh, free speech space. Uh, and they will talk about anything. They talk about issues of race with extreme candor. Uh, and the, the, at the end of uh, an episode, I think it was on December 4th, uh, Glenn made a reference to the fact that John refuses to talk about transgender stuff. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, they, they had been talking about black, black anti-Semitism. And they were both sort of like, oh, yeah, wow, we got to be really careful with the way this is edited because it's extremely delicate, you know, as if they had really hit, touched the third rail. And Glenn said, well, you know, it's it's almost as fraught as talking about transgender stuff, which John refuses to do for fear of ruination. And John said, yep, you're right. I have kids. I have a mortgage. Uh uh-uh. Not going to talk about it. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how part of the reason I talk about various things, including this issue, is because I don't have kids and uh, a mortgage or a job uh, or even like a spouse to drag down. And I think that that gives me a lot of lot of uh, freedom, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the reason that people aren't talking about the gender stuff is because they have a lot to lose. And so I think that those of us who don't, for whatever reason, uh, it may be incumbent upon us to, to do some of the dirty work there. Mm. So that's what so I you should about. be taking all the I feel like I mean, even in this podcast, I've taken. Yeah, I don't know why you're doing this. Yeah, you've got a lot to lose. I have a lot to lose. And here I am babbling <laughs> away. Yeah, digging my own grave every podcast. You know, making it just a little easier. Somebody's out there compiling little clips. <laughs> well, that'd be great because we need social media assets. Of all so the that, yeah, oh yeah, great. All Sarah's <laughs> Sarah's greatest Nazi hits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but yeah, you, you're not shy about talking about this stuff, but you know, another thing that I've noticed is that, uh, especially with the youth gender stuff, and I want to be clear, I don't really care what people do, what adults do with their bodies. And I'm not, we, I got trans friends. Some of my best friends are trans, not my best friends, but I, I know trans people. I think what we are most concerned about is the way that the medical establishment is kind of like running off with this mass psychosis and, you know, performing surgeries on kids with other stuff going on. Um, The people who are most likely to not talk about this or not acknowledge what a big deal it is have kids in their 20s. And I think it's because those kids are old enough that they kind of missed this trend it wasn't part of their uh, like school life. It wasn't part of their peer group as children and teenagers. And they're just kind of like off in the world and being nice and social justice and their parents are learning from them. Mm. And um, I, I notice a lot of sort of baby boomer people who are very influenced by their 20 something kids and, and in a lot of really good ways often. Um, but it's the trans thing. They are not nearly as, uh, willing to look at what do you think i definitely think that there's a shift in the power dynamic that happens i noticed that with my parents because i so i'm for those of you listening into the podcast for the first time um (laughs) wow i got a great impression yeah um we're just let's just you know what we're gonna cut all of it out and cut all of the nazi stuff out no we'll we'll, (laughs) 
I'll <laughs> save that for the bonus. <laughs> the Nazi, if you want to join at the Nazi tier, you're going to get a lot. A lot, a lot of, of stuff, stuff. Yeah. Because every, every time I'm just ranting away. Anyway, but uh, there was a, you know, I left my religion. I left um, Islam and it was really hard on my parents. And uh, it was it, when, when I was in high school and when I was living under their house, you know, it, and I was under their control, our relationship was very different. And the way that they spoke to me uh, was very different. And then I, there was a point where I was graduating and I think they could they, we felt like the ground shifted beneath us and I had more power in the relationship and I was able to draw lines of, no, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not going to have an arranged marriage. I'm not going to live with you guys until I'm married. Like I'm, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, there are certain things that I'm going to do with my life and what are you going to do to stop me? Um, you know, I have a degree, I can get a job, I can take care of myself. Right. Uh, so I think there's a huge, there, there's a psychological shift that happens at that age anyway, just because they are now independent and now they can cut you off in a way that the they kids couldn't can cut, cut you, you off. off. Yes, yes. 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 Yeah. No, I think they don't want to alienate their kids. And yeah. again, I, so I do see people who have kids that are in like middle school, elementary school, even high school, they see on the ground what's going on with this issue and they get it. And I think people whose kids are a little older, they just missed it. It's not right in front of their faces. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, but I think people, they, they don't want to alienate their kids and I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I think it would be terrible to have like a 20 something. Cause that, that, so th that age group is living through, some very interesting times, you know, they cannot openly talk about these things at all. You know, it's, it's, it's the kids. Can't, think, what do you mean? The kids mean can't among each can't. other, yeah, among right, each right. other. They can't, yeah. they, they don't, they don't talk about it mm. with each other openly. Um, <laughs> and their parents are all screaming like, why don't you talk? <laughs> their parents are just like, yeah, they're the heretics. They're the parents the are the heretics, the parents are an embarrassment. Fanatics. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a generation of fanatics and there's, there's too many. That's a problem. There's too many fanatics and they are policing everybody else and they police everybody else extremely well. Um, I've never seen anything like this in, you know, in my life, um, this kind of like extreme, like social control outside of really fundamentalist religious. Well, like, I mean, we saw like, back in the fifties with McCarthyism and things like that, but yeah. You remember those times? Yeah. I, I you mean, know what? I was in high school. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah. You know, I, I I feel really, really bad for people who have young, you know, kids at like young adults at all. Well, yeah, yeah. This, or kids at all, right? I mean, I feel bad for myself. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm, but I'm tired of people not speaking out because they're afraid. I know, I'm just I tired know. Of it. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, and somebody like John McWhorter, he talks about right. It's this. It's not his lane. Like, I'm not going to blame somebody for not wanting to talk about gender if they've already really stuck their neck, stuck their neck out on stuff like race. I mean, he does so much, he and others do so much good work around that, that like, why should they torpedo the whole thing? Because I think we've talked about this talk before about where it's like, yeah. there's, there's only so many crosses you can carry, Yeah, you know, and there's a point where you're carrying too many and now you're, you know, now you're so toxic. You cannot be, you cannot be touched. So there's, there is something there about keeping a balance if you're a public intellectual, but I really feel like this is an issue that demands 
it de- it demands us to set that set those concerns aside because there are kids who are potentially being ruined you know their bodies mm-hmm. and minds uh, their development their natural development um is being altered uh, and there's no going back yeah <laughs> to, i know, know there's no you know, I know. It's, it's an active area of like true harm well it's urgent very urgent um and it's accelerating yeah and i feel like i I want people to talk about it in the right way. I don't want Matt Walsh to have to do all the talking. I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, I do think that that kills the movement. Um, like if you refuse to have, you you, you say the, these are guys are never going to be my allies and you draw like, I mean, it's one thing to say extreme, right? It's another thing to say any, right? Which is the way that a lot of the yeah. turfs are. And I understand because a lot of them come from a very like far left perspective um, in terms of their own politics. Well, and so they're, sense. yeah, but they fought for, I mean, they were really marginalized as gay people for a really long time by the religious right and the far right and right, horrible right, things. Right, right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it there, the other side of the coin is that you really do disempower yourself ultimately. And I've experienced the same thing with the ex-Muslim stuff, with the criticism of Islam stuff, because I did, the noble thing and i refuse to engage with anybody on the right at all and the few times that i ended up on a like a right-wing platform it was out of my control like i I would give an interview to a reporter and then he would pitch it to different places and it would only like national review or whatever would publish it Mm. and then that's where i would that's where it would be you know um but I didn't have a lot of control and, or, but when I had control, I, I refused to do, I refused to engage with the right at all. Did it help me? Like, did I, <laughs> you know, like, I, I think I wasn't immediately smeared, but I was eventually smeared. Um, right. You know, in, in the end they didn't. Yeah. You all, it all comes, you end up in the same place regardless. Yeah. One way or the other, but, but the way that I did it, I ended up disempowering myself greatly and my voice is not as as like prominent as it could be you know like ion here cle is a very prominent example of an ex-muslim who is extremely public and everybody knows her name but she also she goes on fox news you know yeah um she does those interviews but her name is you know mud in the eyes of a lot of people on the left um i i don't understand why that's one of those things i don't understand what their problem with her is exactly because I mean, she's criticizing Islam and she's doing it I know, very directly. Like, I, she's yeah. doing it in a way that they don't like. They don't. They want you to say the problem is fundamentalists. That's right. Okay. Yeah. No. I get. Yeah. You're right. She's not very. And she says she the problem. She, she doesn't yeah. say the problem is a fundamentalist. She said there's the problem is the fundamentals of Islam. Yes. That's what okay. she says. I get it. Yeah. And and she will also say things that are that really get you in hot water. Like where, where she, uh, you know she'll talk about say the violence inherent in the religion or something and she'll say that christianity is more peaceful in comparison mm-hmm. you know she'll she'll say I mean, i'm paraphrasing this is not what she said directly but she'll sort of make these comparisons in which christianity will come out ahead um and people get really really upset about that and of course yeah. there's she's said a lot of things that i disagree with a lot like it, there's uh she's she's more comfortable with 
military intervention, I'm not. I'm very, very anti it, even when it seems like it's the right way to go. Like I, I've earned a lot of <laughs> criticisms from other ex-Muslims because I don't think we should have been in Afghanistan forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think it was ridiculous to be like, like yes, women's rights. Like, but, but what, like, what do you want? You want the United States to just yeah be like colonize Afghanistan because that's what it'll take, right? You know, it will take old school colonialism. It will take old school imperialism uh, to, you know, rewrite this, this, uh, the culture of this country from scratch. It will not happen over the course of a few years or even a few decades. So, you know, what are they, what are the other options here? So I, I, I don't think a military like uh, solution is ever, ever a solution even. Um, And so that got me in hot water, but she says things like that. And that's what gets her in trouble. Too. Okay. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I guess, uh, like I always say, if, if the smart, thoughtful people don't speak up, the stupid, thoughtless people are happy to do the job. So yeah. that's why I think we should anyway. All right. Well, this is really long. Yeah. Um, well, it'll yeah. be shorter once we cut out all my Nazi bits. No way. It's no, not going to be good. shorter. No, okay. it's, it was good. All right, we'll do some bonus content. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but yeah, other than that, we'll uh, we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, see you in hell. See you in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>